Good morning. Well, I, uh, I am blessed. I have been blessed uh, twice to be with you guys to worship. And uh, I, I always say, if I get invited back, then uh, something must have gone okay, right? So uh, I'm happy to be back. And uh, uh, just, for, just to kind of round out the, uh, the uh, introduction, uh, my name is Boomer Rowland. I live in uh, Omaha. And uh, so I got a chance to come up last night for the uh, wild game feed. The, the guys said, um, you know, Josh and Aaron, they said, we're going to eat. I said, just tell me when and where. I'm a fan uh, of eating. So uh, I got to have alligator for the first time. That, that, was, uh, that was great. Um, so I came up last night to eat and then uh, came up this morning to share with you guys in worship. I've been uh, married to my very best friend, uh, Angie, for 22 years. It'll be 23 in August. Can't believe that. Time flies, right? Thank you. Believe me, it's not me. It's her. She, I, I like to say she makes me look good as a dad. Um, and uh, some of you ladies know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Um, man, she is a good, good lady. And... Uh, I'm blessed that God allowed me to, to be together with her. And we have two great kids. Uh, Blake is 12, and uh, Kara is 17 now. <sighs> Anybody else feel old right now? Man, where did the time go, right? Uh, our kids are great. Yeah, oh, you're, oh, I thought it was time already. Like, he's waving at me in the back. I'm going, wow, that... That really did go fast. All right, well, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Um, the, the, so I understand y'all are in the middle of a series uh, in the book of Acts, talking about we are the church, right? Looking at uh, who are we to be as a part of the body of Christ. And so uh, I want to grab this morning uh, Acts chapter 10. Now, I know that we haven't gone smoothly in numerical order according to chapters in this series, so, um, but I appreciate you letting me spend some time on Acts chapter 10 this morning, so if you want to flip there, that'd be great. And we're going to talk about um, the invitation. I'll tell you, uh, on August 22nd, 1992... Pretty significant event happened. In fact, it was so significant that we invited friends, relatives from all over, from states away, to come and to be in the room with us. Significant event. We sent out invitations. Because it was a big deal that this lady, Angie Riley, would choose to get married to this guy, Boomer Roland. We sent out invitations and invited people to come and to be in the room for our wedding. That was a big deal. It was a big deal. April 24th, 2006, another big event 
in the life of our family, and we sent out invitations. We sent invitations to people that lived all the way across the U.S. We sent an invitation to uh, the country of India. We sent invitations to many friends and family members because we wanted them in the room when we celebrated the baptism of Kara. It was a big deal. It's a big deal. And we wanted people in the room with us. July 4th, 2011. We sent invitations to friends and family members, and we wanted them to come and be with us at another significant event in our family, Blake's baptism. Because that was a big deal. And we invited people because we wanted them to share the joy that we were going to experience in those events. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the invitations. And I've gotten some invitations. Weddings, birthdays, some others. I have never gotten an invitation like what we're going to see right here. I want you to watch this uh, this short video, but here's, here's the thing. I've never gotten an invitation quite like this. That man's uh, name is Peter Sharp, and Peter uh, um, has found that he enjoys inviting people in public to join him in doing something that helps people kind of connect. But here's the thing I want you to get from the video. Listen, Peter has a joy in him, and he invites other people to join in the joy, right? And here's the big idea for today. Here's the big idea to, for today. We invite people to special events because we want them to share in or experience the joy that we feel. What are some other big events? What are some other occasions where we send out invitations? I'd like to hear. Graduations, excellent, big moment, anything else? Birthdays, excellent, what else? Anniversaries, great. Weddings, good, anything else? Baby showers, excellent, what else? Reunions, family reunions, let's get together. What? Church, excellent, thank you. And now if you all just stand up and dance with me. No. Well, maybe. It's not a Baptist church. Maybe we can do that here. I don't know. All right, what else? Any others? Were you holding on to one? Because that's a pretty good list. What do they have in common? These are big moments. These are big things. But they all have joy in the midst of them. Now, we may spread the word about a funeral but we don't usually go get invitations printed. Now sometimes, and I know some, some, uh, I I used to minister with a family, oh, a dear old couple, Herman and Judy Bauman. And old Herman went home. But he always used to refer to it as a been translated. 
I've been upgraded. He would use those kinds of words for a believer that goes home. So there are even moments there where we get to celebrate. But when we send an invitation, it's because we want people to come and experience the joy that we are going to experience at, in a special event. And that's the big idea. In your Bibles, you, you've already turned there, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, and I want to read the chapter that we're going to look at today. Acts chapter 10, settle in. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. God distinctly saw an angel. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. And he told them uh, everything that had happened, and he sent them to Joppa. Chapter, or verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry. He wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Talk about a wild food game, uh, feast, right? All right. 14. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to Peter a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. And while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision... The men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up and go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Verse 21, Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And the men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all of the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. The next day, Peter started out with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa went along. And the following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. 
As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or to visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. For when I was sent, when I was sent for, I came without raising an objection. May I ask, why have you sent for me? Cornelius answered, four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon, and suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who's called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. And so I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And then Peter began to speak. And he said, I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts, every, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know that the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of the peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all uh, who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything that he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by nailing him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by the witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised uh, believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. As we're reading the story, as we're reading the story, what are some parts to that story? Maybe you've read that a lot and maybe you're less familiar with that that story out of Acts. What are some of the things that jump out of you? What, what are some of the things that really stick out for you out of that story? Does anyone want to share an idea? What are some things that jump out in that story? Maybe they're interesting. 
Anybody? What's that? Visions. Visions. Okay. Visions. God communicated that way. What else? All right. And that's, that's new information in, in the book of Acts to this point, that God wants all people, okay, to come to knowledge of him. Anyone else want to share? Okay. Okay. He wants to bring healing, right? That's what Jesus did. He brought healing. That was a part of his ministry. All right. What else? One more. I'll take one more. Okay, he invited his friends, right, and his relatives, right? Cornelius anticipated something good. A guy in shiny clothes shows up and gives him some instruction. He knows that somebody's coming to visit his house. And Cornelius thinks, I have no idea what's going to happen. But the guy in shiny clothes said it. I'm bringing some other people to join in, right? Guys, here's three things that jump out at me out of this story. I want to share them with you this morning. You know, the first thing that jumps out at me, and it's in your outline if you want to fill in the blank here, but here's the first one that jumps out to me, is that the gospel, and I put a definition of the gospel up on, I put a definition of the gospel on your outline today. Do you see it there? That the gospel is the good news that God has brought or provided salvation to all people because of his grace and through our faith in him. That's the gospel. Now, sometimes we say gospel and it's a little bit of a churchy word, isn't it? That's not a word that we use down at the grocery store. It's not a word that we usually use in conversation. But I want you to understand that the gospel is simply good news. It's good news. It's, it's something good that we know about that we want to say or share with somebody else. Hey, my oldest is getting married. It's good news. Now, that doesn't impact the lives of a lot of other people, only a couple, but it's good news, and we share it. Hey, I just got a new job. That's good news. I want to share it. It doesn't impact the life of a lot of other people, but it's good news and I want to share it. Hey, hey, I just won the lottery, which everyone's hoping impacts them tremendously, right? But no, okay? It's good news and I want to share it. The gospel is good news, but it's good news not just for one or two people. It's good news that we want to share. And here's what I, the, the first thing that jumps out is that the gospel is for people who are just like us. The gospel is for people who are just like us. What do I mean? Well, I want you to think about this. Think about some of the truth that you know through God's word that indicates, listen, people who are just like us, first of all, it's for people, and every person has been created in God's image. We learned that way back at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, right? So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. 
The gospel is for people. People just like us, because we have been made in God's image. Every person. We have that thing in common with everyone. The gospel is for people just like us. Because we're all sinners. Romans chapter 3, verses 23, uh, 22 and 23. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It is a fact. Just as true as all of us have been created in God's image, it's true that all of us at some point have made the decision to disobey God either by doing something or not doing something that he has set as a standard for us. Every person has sinned. And you know what? The gospel is for people just like us. Every person sinned. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through uh, that sin... And in, the same, in this way, death came to all people because all sinned, every one of us. The gospel is for people just like us. We're created in God's image and we're sinners. But here's the third thing. The gospel's for people just like us because we're all in need of a Savior. There is no way that those of us who have sinned, which is everyone, can fix our own problem. It is not about what you do. It's not about how many times you come to church or how much money you put in the offering plate or how loud you sing the songs or uh, how much you serve or how much you... uh, It's not about any of that. None of that, although they're all good things, none of those things fix our sin problem. We are all in need of a Savior. A very familiar verse for you. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God knows our need and so He provides a Savior. Y'all, that's good news. That's good news. The gospel is for people just like us. That's the first thing that jumps out at me. You, you look at, uh, uh, you look at uh, uh, many situations and, and times in our life. I want you to think about this for a second. When you, it is very normal, isn't it, when we walk into a, a room full of people to begin to scan the room and look for People that are like us, right? Hey, I'll tell you what, I I confess, I did it last night. I walked in, I saw some people milling around, and I started looking, right? Let's see, who, who looks like, who looks like somebody I can identify with? Who looks like me? Who talks like me? 
just by summing up from their, from their dress or their look or their speech, who, who might I have something in common with? It is normal for us when we walk into a room to want to identify with people who are just like us. And here's what I want to push your thinking on today, guys. That there, every time that we walk into a room, if we use these three truths, we will identify with everyone there. First of all, everyone there is created in God's image. Secondly, all of us have sinned. There is not a perfect person in the room. Some of us hide it better than others. But there's not a perfect person in the room. And every one of us is relying on a Savior to fix our problem. I want to push your thinking today that the gospel is for people just like us and we have those three things in common with every person that we meet. And I think if we can wrap our heads and our hearts around that, that it will open the door for us to be able to begin to connect with people that on the outside we look at and say, I'm not sure that I have a whole lot in common with that person. The gospel's for people just like us. Those three truths. Here's the second thing that jumps out at me out of this story is that the gospel is for people who are nothing like us. The gospel is for people who are nothing like us. Think about the story. You've got Peter. You know Peter, right? Peter. Handpicked by Jesus, got to hang out with him for three years. Uh, Jesus says, uh, hey, listen, if you love me, feed my sheep. He didn't say that to any of the other disciples, right? Peter takes a lead role among the believers after Jesus goes back to heaven. Peter, you got Peter. And then you've got Cornelius. What do we learn about Cornelius? Right at the beginning of chapter 10, we learn that Cornelius is a Roman. We learn that Cornelius is a soldier. And we know because he's a Roman and because he's a soldier, he's also a Gentile, which means a non-Jewish person. Now listen, can we have two more, uh, more uh, diverse people? Peter, he's an Israelite. Peter, he was a fisherman. Peter, he was Jew. He was a Jew. Completely different. Cultural backgrounds were different. Their cultural backgrounds were different. They had, they had so little in common. In fact, the separation in that culture from the Jewish side was, and Peter, it's so great, isn't it? Peter walks into Cornelius' house. You talk about, like, there's a lot of etiquette going on here. You notice what Peter says? He walks in, and he's like, uh, just, just to remind you, you know, according to the law, I'm not even supposed to be in your house. It'd be like me walking into your house and saying, you know what, I, I'm, I'm sure the house is nice, but man, it is just way too dirty for me to be in here. Yeah, think about that. But that's the message, right? 
I, Peter says, I'm not even supposed to be in your house because you're unclean. All that comes from way back in Leviticus chapter 11 where God begins to lay out for his people, here are some animals that are clean to eat and to touch and to interact with, and here are some animals that are unclean. There are a few reasons why God would make distinctions like that. Part of it is because here are animals that aren't really that great for food, although I think he missed it on the bacon thing, just telling you. All right, listen. I'll t- I-, I won't ever take that up with God, but it's just my opinion. Right? But some of those animals are more, they have more of a tendency to spread disease. Okay? And so God says, no, nah, unclean. But he did that also so that it sets up this opportunity in Acts t- chapter 10. Here's what the religious leaders did with that. God's law. Hey, don't eat these animals. Don't even touch these animals. Don't be around these animals. Right? The religious leaders went further than that, like they did with so many other things. And they said, you know what? The Gentiles, they eat those kinds of animals. Who knows what they're going to be serving for dinner? So don't even go into a house where a Gentile lives. Otherwise, you might accidentally become unclean by touching it, eating it, being exposed to it. God had not ever called the Gentiles unclean. But culturally, that's the way they were viewed. Listen to me. Peter and Cornelius, different cultural backgrounds. As different as night and day. Listen, they also had a different lifestyle. Think about that. Peter was a retired fisherman who uh, preached for a living now. He was an evangelist. That's what he did. Cornelius, a soldier, most likely had seen action, had fought in wars. He was leading soldiers. We already mentioned Peter never ate bacon. Cornelius knew a good pork chop when he saw it, right? Peter had grown up always worshiping one God. Being a Roman, Cornelius had grown up with multiple gods. Now, we learned about Cornelius that he had... He had an understanding of who God was, and his heart was drawn towards God. He was looking at God um, as being the God. He had made some progress, but listen, he didn't know Jesus yet. He still had a sin problem. And listen to me, the gospel's for people who are nothing like us. There is a lot of discussion going on right now in our country about immigration. There's a lot of discussion going on right now about people coming into our country who don't hold our values. And listen, those discussions and those debates are really important. But here's what I want you to look through the discussion to the reality. Listen to me now. God is bringing to our doorstep 
people who are far from him. People that we would never have the opportunity to share the good news with if they weren't here. In our universities, we have hundreds of thousands of foreign students from other countries who come here to be educated. And we have an incredible opportunity to share the good news with them that they would take it back to their country when they go. Folks, look through the discussion as important as it is. And it isn't important. It is. But listen. We have something to talk about. We have good news to share. And the gospel is for people who, is, who are nothing like us. As different as we are with our cultural backgrounds, as different as we are in our lifestyles, the gospel is for people who are nothing like us. And we desperately need to be sharing the gospel with those people. Here's the third thing that came out or jumped out at me in this, in this, uh, in, in this chapter. And that is the gospel is humanity's invitation to join God. The gospel is humanity's invitation to join God. Now, I don't know about you, but it, it would make me nervous if I showed up at somebody's house. Let's say that you invited me over for dinner today. I'm not available. Just like that's, that's not like me asking for an invitation in some like weird way. Anyway, let's say that you invited me over for dinner today and... Then when I showed up, you said, you know what? We would just love for you to uh, just tell us something. Whatever God's got on your heart, you just let her rip. Um, okay, that, that was weird. And I had three other people ask me for dinner. Maybe I should have said yes to one of them. Listen, Peter shows up and Cornelius says, I've gathered a crowd. Tell us whatever God put on your heart to tell us. Maybe Peter's going, I'm really glad God gave me that vision. I'm really glad God put something in my heart so I could share it. What is it that Peter shares? Peter shares the best news that he knows. Peter shares the best news that he knows. The good news about who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And you notice that Peter walks right through the gospel. The good news. Hey, you know Jesus. Jesus... God's son came to earth, did amazing things, and he taught so that we could be connected to God. But he went further than that, and he paid our penalty by dying on a cross. And then it went further than that. God raised him from the dead so that we would have the promise of a new life that will never end. The gospel, folks, that's the good news. Some of you here have not heard the gospel before. Some of you uh, have never heard the truth about you. God has created you in his image. But you have a sin problem. Now I'm not pointing fingers because all of us have a sin problem. 
And we are all in need of a Savior, including you. Maybe you've never heard that before. Maybe you've never embraced it before. Maybe you've never opened yourself to say, you know what, that actually is true. But in the quietness, in the dark of the room that you sit in, if you're honest with yourself, you know you have a sin problem. And you desperately need a fix for that. And the good news is, God's provided one. Jesus Christ. He came to earth. He lived a life without sin. You know what? For one reason. So that he could take our penalty. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die for his sins. He died for our sins. God did this amazing thing and he took all of our sin, past, present, future, for all of humanity, and he dumped it right there on Jesus Christ. And and the scripture says that he became sin for us. And he died. And they buried him. And in his death, our penalty was taken care of. But you know what? That's not enough. God went further than that and he raised him from the dead. So that we would have the promise of being raised and given a brand new life. Folks, the gospel is the good news. And you know what we invite people to? You know what we invite people to? We invite people to share in an experience, to share in a moment, to share in a time where we want them to experience the same joy that we're going to experience. Folks, what is the church? Is a group of people who have been invited. It's a group of people who have accepted the invitation and decided to join God on the great adventure. But folks, listen. Listen, church. Those of you who have accepted the invitation, listen, it doesn't just stop by saying, woohoo, I got my golden ticket. We're to invite other people to come with us. We have got to share the invitation. We've got to share the invitation. Now, listen, I don't like to do anything where I don't force myself to make it practical. All right? At the end of your outline there, I've left a couple of things. Listen, this week, guys, this week, starting today as you walk out, listen, I want you to open your eyes. I want you to open your eyes, and I want you to find someone who is just like you. Someone who is just like you, created in God's image, a sinner and in need of a Savior. Find someone like that this week. That one shouldn't be too tough. Probably in the parking lot when someone cuts you off on the way out, you go, hey, I found my person. (laughs) Right? Listen, I want you to open your eyes and I want you to find someone who's just like you. I want you to open your eyes this week and I want you to find someone who is different than you. I want you to find someone who has different skin color. Someone who has a different language. 
someone who comes from a different cultural background, someone who lives in a different socioeconomic strata than you do, someone who lives a different lifestyle than you do, someone whose family looks different than your family. I want you to open your eyes and find someone who is different than you. Once you've identified someone, either one of those categories or both, listen, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to meet one person this week. Introduce yourself. Exchange names. There's no huge commitment there. Hi, my name is Boomer. Meet one person that's either just like you or very different from you. I want you to meet one person. If that's a huge challenge for you, I want you to stop right there. I want that to be the one that you do. Okay? If you can't remember the last time that you went and, and extended a, a handshake to someone brand new that you've never met... If you can't remember the last time, that's the one for you this week. But for some of y'all, you're going, I do that all the time. Great, that one's not yours then. The next one might be. I want you to pray for one person like that this week. That's the second thing. Pray for one person that week. Might be that person that you just met. I want you to pray for one person that's exactly like you and completely different from you. Pray to what end? Hey guys, this sermon's all about the gospel. And here's the third thing, and I'll wrap it up with this. I want you to invite one person like that. And what do I mean by invite? What's on the screen? Thank you. Listen, invite one person to tell you their story. There was a a story that was shared on uh, one of the Christian radio stations this week about a guy who went into a, a restaurant. He put a sign on the table that said, uh, if you'll listen to my story, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. He sat there for hours, had two people take him up on it. Then he changed the sign and said, uh, tell me your story and I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Person after person after person after person. He bought a lot of cups of coffee. You know what? You can invite someone. Hey, tell me your story. Where are you from? What's your background? Just tell me your story, whatever you want to tell me. Invite somebody this week to tell you their story. Invite someone to hear your story. Invite somebody to meet your Savior. Invite somebody into your home for dinner. Invite somebody to meet your church family. Listen, you got, you got all kinds of options of what to take out of here today. Listen to me. Meet one person that's either exactly like you or totally different than you this week. Pray for someone who's exactly like you or totally different than you this week. And invite somebody. That means connect with somebody. 
Go a little deeper than just their name this week. But all of it ends up with, we want to invite people to share in the same joy that we have heard and that, we've, that we're experiencing because of the good news, the gospel. You know what? That's a big deal today. That's a lot. I want to pray for you that God and his Holy Spirit would enable you to do it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this, this encounter in the book of Acts. Thank you for Peter's willingness to connect with somebody who was just like him and yet nothing like him at all. But God, most of all, I thank you that he shared the good news. He shared the good news. And Father, I'm asking today that in the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, in the power of your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit would move in us and work in us and in our hearts to open our mouths, to extend a hand, to meet someone this week who is just like us and to meet someone who is nothing like us. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move us to pray for someone this week who is just like us and someone who is nothing like us. God, would you fill us with boldness and with courage? Would you help the joy that we have in Christ boil over so that we invite someone who is just like us? And someone who is nothing like us to experience life with our Savior. God, we can't do it without you. So we ask that you would do it in us and through us this week. We love you in Jesus' name.